This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, we are learning more about yesterday's horrific attack in Toronto. Uh, an attack that got worse over the last day. Now 10 people confirmed dead, uh, 15 injured. We know a little bit more about what happened. We still don't know why, of course. And so there are some pretty big questions about what could lead somebody to do this. What possessed somebody to do this? What were they trying to accomplish by doing this? 25-year-old Alec Manassian has been identified as the man behind the wheel. He has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder, 13 counts of attempted murder. Made a brief court appearance today. We're expecting to hear more from police coming up just after 1 o'clock. We have learned as well today that Manassian was briefly a member of the Canadian Armed Forces. That lasted about two months last year. He did not complete his recruit training and requested to be released. Now, there is some some talk today about these so-called incel movements, involuntarily celibate. The Facebook post attributed to Alec Manassian yesterday seemed to imply allegiance to this movement. What could be described reasonably, I think, as a a misogynistic movement, an anti-woman movement. And you might recall uh, this came up a few years ago. In, uh, in California, Elliot Rogers, uh, who took a number of lives in that state. And that was referenced in this Facebook post, which Facebook says is legit. They say they took down Manassian's Facebook post, or his page, rather. A lot of questions still about all of this. So we'll, we'll see if police have any more clarity coming up after 1 o'clock regarding motive, because I think we're trying to, to make sense of, of this insanity yesterday, this horrific insanity yesterday where somebody behind the wheel of a rental van deliberately runs down and kills numerous people. It was a horrific scene. Uh, And those who saw it happen or saw the aftermath will, I'm sure, never forget what they witnessed. So the city of Toronto, business as usual today, I suppose, in, in most respects, this area where it happened is still closed off as the police investigation continues. So a city shaken, a city rattled, a city in mourning, but a city defiant, I think, at some level. I wanted to find out a bit more uh, about the mood, the atmosphere in Toronto today, Canada's largest city. Matt Gurney uh, joins us, uh, our colleague with uh, Global News Radio AM 640 in Toronto. Matt, uh, great to have you with us here. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good to be here, man. I wish the circumstances were different. Well, no kidding. I know for you as a Trontonian, and, and I know even this is kind of an area you, you uh, spent some time in growing up. I mean, it, it does feel, I think, personal at a lot of levels for, for a lot of people in that city. Yeah, it does. And it, it's personal when it's your own city. It's personal when you see your own mayor uh, giving a press co- statement, which is not unusual, but it's unusual when you're watching it on the BBC. And it's unusual when CNN is showing uh, live feeds and they're they're going up and down the street. And you're like, 
I know that bar and I've been to that restaurant and oops, yes, my 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 buddy Mike used to live in that building. Yeah. And it, it's it's very creepy seeing your own city through the eyes of international media. And that's something that all Torontonians have been experiencing kind of collectively over the last couple of days. The thing, though, I, w- I would say to you, Rob, is that you know, Toronto's a huge city. I just don't mean population. I mean, it's huge. Like, it's a big geographic area. There's tons of things that can happen in sleepy neighborhoods in Toronto where most Torontonians have probably never been to. The neighborhood where this happened is a pretty central part of the city. It's north. It's well out of downtown, but it's in an area that's got a lot of transit. It's got a lot of restaurants. It's got a lot of uh, office towers for for, uh, businesses. So this is a part of the city where virtually everyone in Toronto has from time to time reason to be. I mean, it's been an emotional roller coaster for the city. I mean, you had the the distraction, the the excitement last night of a, a pretty big hockey game, which you know kind of brought this city together. On top of all, of course, the the grief, the sadness, the anger, uh, you know, all the questions. Just what was your sense today, uh, going on the air, talking to your audience of just how people are feeling today? Uh, um. Kind of the way I'm feeling, I think, which is, and the hockey game you mentioned, Leafs over uh, Bruins last night uh, to to stave off elimination, it, it really captured how surreal the whole thing was. Because I'm a diehard Leafs fan. I'm like a passionate Bleeds Blue Leafs fan. And I'm watching game six of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's a do or die game for my, for my Maple Leafs. And I, on the one hand, I'm totally invested in it. And in the other hand, I don't care at all, right? And, you know, I'm thinking to myself... On the one hand, we really need a win. Like Toronto, like really needs a win tonight. It would be mean so much to the city if we actually pull this thing off. But on the other hand, at the same time, I'm just torn because it's a hockey game, and who cares? Yeah. And it was this really split kind of opinion. And on the one hand, Toronto, I want I want your your listeners to know this, man. We're right back to work. The city is functioning normally. We have a two kilometer long crime scene along our main street, so that's a bit out of the norm. And there's a lot of transit disruptions and businesses that are closed because of it. But 99 percent of the city got right back to work and that's inspiring but on the other hand we're also learning as the day goes on the the names the pictures the identities of of our citizens who who are dead who don't get to go home so it's this incredibly mixed up feeling of of defiance and being resolute and we're getting right back at it also mixed in with this sense of i don't want to call it shock but just this kind of the sense of violation and of horror that this happened in our backyard and we are we are pretty angry about that yeah, and, and it was quite a numb feeling when we had that news conference late yesterday afternoon, and we were hearing various numbers, but uh, it, it really did feel like a gut punch that it was nine and then later ten dead uh, and, and more than a dozen injured as, as well. I mean, it was it was far worse, I think, than maybe we, we had anticipated. Well, what had happened, uh, and this is a bit of inside baseball, but, I mean, the crime scene, as I've mentioned, Rob, is two kilometers long. Uh, the guy got up on the sidewalk near Finch Avenue and drove south, an entire, like more than a mile, like two, like an entire major city block. So what had happened yesterday was that there were multiple crime scenes and we didn't know that at first. So this was first reported as an incident that had happened at Finch Avenue, which is where it started, and that there were four or five people down. So the initial reports were four or five people, but then we started to get these reports. Oh, a few blocks south of there, there's more people. And a few blocks south of there, there's more people. So it was a lot of chaos going on. But the thing that was grim um, is that we had those overhead chopic, uh, chopper, uh, traffic choppers uh, filming, you know, looking down. And I, I don't mean to be grim about this. I won't go into the gory details here, Rob. But anyone who can count 
was pretty quickly figuring out the death toll was a lot higher than we when we realized because in Toronto the paramedics and the fire guys they have these very distinctive kind of orange emergency blankets and they were using them to cover up those who who couldn't be saved and they were they were standing out very clearly on those chopper feeds and people it was grim but people were freeze framing them and just counting how many orange blankets they saw and yeah. it actually ended up getting us pretty close to what the death toll is at least as of right now and of course, and we all struggle to make sense of this, and we, we still don't really know, I think, you know, why this guy did what he did. Uh, there's, you know, maybe some indication whether or not this this Facebook post is, is totally legit, and I guess we'll learn more about that. But I was getting it yesterday. I'm sure you were getting it yesterday. Uh, you know, the immediate assumption from a lot of people that this was Islamic terrorism, and Rob, call it what it is, you know, stop, stop beating around the bush. Or the other side, let's be cautious. We don't know. Who knows what, what this is all about? I mean, the, the assumption that, that it could be terrorism, I suppose, is not totally off base. We had an ISIS devotee in, in Edmonton recently try to do much the same, and we've you seen bet. we've seen that in other cities around the world as well. But th- there really was that that rush to judgment yesterday. I think wasn't there. It, it's a you know what I don't even want to say it's a rush to judgment, Rob, because I think these people don't even need to rush to get there. They're there. They hear that an incident occurred, and they go, "Aha." It's Islam, or in other cases, aha, it's a white supremacist. You know, like there's these pre-existing narratives that are just built and people are passionately devoted to them. And I I wrote this once in a a column I wrote for the National Post where it was talking about mass shootings, not terrorism. But we don't even have new arguments when these things happen. We just pick up where the last one left off. So in a rush to judgment probably almost understates how how quickly we got there. Because people go, oh, there's an incident. Well, clearly it was Islam. Right now, now, Rob, to your point, we don't we don't have that Facebook posting 100% verified. Although the evi- what we're hearing in Toronto is that actually, I don't want to get ahead of this, but it's looking more and more like this might be a legitimate posting, which would have would would give us some sense that this guy, uh, his name is Alec Manassi, and he's he's been charged this morning with 10 counts of first degree murder and 13 counts of attempted murder. He's the accused here. It looks like he might have been acting out. Uh, as a lone wolf, and this is speculative, but as a lone wolf who felt that society was keeping him down uh, without any broader political narrative. But even so, like, that's a complete wild card, right? It has nothing to do with white supremacy. It apparently has nothing to do at all with Islam. But, yeah, if you don't rush to judgment, uh, we are dis- dismissed as politically correct cowards and we're, we're, we're cucks and we're wimps who won't call it what it is. We are so used to instantaneous news. The fact that we might give the police not even 24 hours to conduct an investigation of a two-kilometer crime scene and a private residence in another jurisdiction. This guy lived in a Toronto suburb. That's where those search warrants are being executed. Giving the law enforcement guys and the national security guys a full 24 hours to get their heads around something is more than social media is prepared to do. Yeah, let's talk about those those cops, and in particular, one Toronto police officer who's who's being hailed as kind of a hero here for the the way he dealt with this attacker yesterday. An attacker who, you know, perhaps in hindsight was maybe looking to be shot, was looking for suicide by cop. But uh, here's an officer confronts somebody who who just mowed down a whole bunch of people, may in fact be a terrorist. He doesn't know at that moment, uh, and and so look, emotions are going to be high tension going to be high and I think given everything he was dealing with had he shot that suspect I don't think that would have been unreasonable the fact that he didn't is quite remarkable I think 
Yeah, and it's important, Rob. I mean, anyone who has had a chance to see the video knows what you and I are talking about here. But if you haven't had the chance to see the video, not only is this one officer alone cornered the suspect, he's by himself, no backup, no SWAT team, no rifle, just a guy with a pistol standing at a guy who's holding an object. I don't know what the object is, but at least at a distance, it looks like the barrel of a gun. And he is uh, pointing it at the officer, yelling, I have a gun, I have a gun. This officer had every reason in the world to pull the trigger and he didn't and he just it's incredible rob you've seen the video i know this yeah. he just intimidates the guy he just keeps walking towards him until the guy throws whatever it is he's holding down gets down on the ground and the officer just slaps the cuffs on him it's like this incredible day of carnage in my hometown ended up with one officer peacefully arresting a suspect who'd surrendered it's incredibly strange but there it is this day of horror ends with a textbook arrest well, and it's surreal because the reason we see the video is you had all these these uh, individuals who were in the vicinity. In fact, as the, this standoff is occurring, you, you see three people walking down the sidewalk, you know, basically right next to the guy. I mean, it's it's quite insane. As you say, they had no time to seal off the scene. There's no, no SWAT team, no police line. It, it could have been an incredibly dangerous situation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think for a lot of people, the thing that's really grim... Rob, I don't know what your weather's been like lately. Uh, in Toronto, I mean, we weekend before last, we had an ice storm in the city, like literally hunks of ice falling from the sky, freezing rain everywhere. The next weekend, it's beautiful sunshine again. And uh, it's, you know, 16 degrees in the city after a long, brutal winter. Everyone in Toronto, Rob, was walking the streets on the weekend. Everybody was getting out and getting a breath of fresh air. And th those people walking behind this incredible video of the officer uh, taking this guy down were probably just out for a stroll because this was around the lunch hour when this unfolded our time. And the thing that really uh, hits me uh, emotionally, Rob, and, and I'm, I'm not going to overstate the case. I don't want to get emotional like I did on the air on my show again. It's unseemly for both of us. Um, but I'm wondering how many of the people who died on Monday we're just taking a stroll on that first beautiful spring weather we've had out on their lunch hour, yeah. exactly the way I was doing in my neighborhood with both my kids and my wife the day before and yesterday as well. When this was unfolding in northern Toronto yesterday, I was in downtown Toronto taking a walk down a busy road because I had a couple of minutes between meetings. And it was a beautiful day. How many people went out to get some sunshine and never get to go home? Right. That's exactly what's been going on here and something we take for granted and something I'm sure those people did, too. So uh, very much a, a sad day. Matt, uh, thanks so much uh, for taking some time for us here today. We really appreciate it. Hey, always have time for you, man. Talk to you soon. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.